Okay, uh, you can start recording now, Simon, if you haven't. Let's bow heads and pray. For God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the amazing love. Now, who would, the, who would have imagined you would give up your son for this fallen world? Who would imagine that you would give your most precious to us? We thank you for your love. May you speak to each one, each one of us today. Strengthen us, encourage us, so we, we, may, we may walk in your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, some recap of chapter 11. As Elder D mentioned, the prophecies in this chapter were so specific, so exact, some scholars wonder if Prophecy was actually written after the facts, but we don't go into the argument here. Let me just go through the prophecy and uh, what happened in real history. So uh, chapter 11, uh, verse 2 talks about four kings, and we believe, most people believe this is the uh, Persian kings, right? The Achaemenid kings uh, from Cyrus to Darius III, and could be any four of them. And then there came a, a, a mighty king, and that is uh, Alexander the Great, uh, Alexander died very young, we all know, and his kingdom was divided into four. And uh, so the two most powerful kingdoms are the one in uh, Egypt, uh, led by the Ptolemy, and the other one is in the north, uh, occupying Babylon and Syria, and it's led by the, uh, the Seleucids. Okay, and uh, verse six mentioned the daughter of southern, southern king, King of Egypt, the King of Ptolemy II, married his daughter uh, uh, to uh, the king in uh, uh, Seleucus, and uh, it didn't go well, uh, by fired. So both the daughter and king were killed by uh, the, 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 the northern king's first wife. And uh, then the south, in retaliation, invades the north. E Egypt, uh, Ptolemy III invaded Seleucus to revenge uh, uh, his daughter. And, oh, actually, in this case, his, his sister. Because, okay, and, uh, and so there have been wars between the south and the north. And uh, between in history, that means the wars between the Ptolemies and the Seleucids. And eventually, uh, and the north besieges the city. Uh, Antiochus III besieged Sidon, which is a fortified city controlled by Egypt. And, uh, but, and uh, the, so at the end, the north, the Syrian Empire, the Seleucid Empire got the upper hand, and, and but then uh, the 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 uh, ambition of Antiochus III was checked by Romans, and he was defeated at the coastlines uh, at the coastline of uh, Turkey, uh, Magnesia. And then uh, because the loss in the war, they had the the Seleucid king had to uh, get a lot of money, so they pillaged the temple. Uh, this is uh, Seleucus IV, the son of Antiochus. And uh, so starting in this period, they started to pillage, to plunder the Jewish temple in Jerusalem, to get all the valuables from the temple. And then now the, the main character, this main, main evil character in all these past chapters, um, Antiochus IV, 
uh, became king through treachery, through trickery, through disease. And uh, uh, 22 prophesied about the Prince of Covenant being broken, and, and people believe that's referring to Ananias III. That was a priest who was removed by Antiochus IV because he was pro-Egypt. Remember in least two or three hundred years, Egypt and uh, Syria, they were fighting for the control of Judea, an important city in the trade routes. Um, so uh, Antiochus IV uh, aligned with a faction in the, among Jewish people called Tobias. They are, pre, they are a priest family, and so they don't mind uh, uh, living, uh, change the Jewish laws to live more Greek, more pagan, more Hellenistic ways, so they can have the power uh, locally in Jerusalem. And so Antiochus was uh, cooperating with them. And Egypt was further defeated, so giving up the control of Jerusalem. And uh, Antiochus again plundered the temple for financial gains. And but somehow his vision was again like his father checked by the Romans. He was defeated by Romans, and uh, the Seleucid Empire became a vassal uh, for the Romans. Uh, Desolating abomination that appeared uh, multiple times in the past three chapters is referring to Antiochus IV worshiping to Zeus, the pagan god, in Jewish temple. And he actually banned all the Jewish rituals, as we mentioned before. And uh, he seduced some Jews, you know. Under this such persecution, some Jews had to choose either you fight or you uh, cooperate. So some choose to cooperate, to adopt the Greek ways, to uh, uh, compromise on many uh, Jewish religion, religious principles. And uh, as we know, Antiochus IV called himself God. Right? He exalted himself above every God. Uh, Epiphany is the name he gave to himself. It means God manifest. So he, he sees himself as God. So the following uh, uh, few verses as he mentioned uh, last week uh, is kind of vague. You cannot pinpoint that to Antiochus. And Antiochus died pretty, pretty uh, uh, early uh, after the Jewish rebellion, after the rebellion of uh, the Maccabees. So, uh, so likely all these vague verses uh, refer to the future kings like Antiochus. Uh, like Dean said, it's a type of Antichrist. And they keep coming up throughout history. Okay? But such tyrants, such Antichrists, will always come to an end all of a sudden. And we have seen that in history, and we'll continue to see that in history. Okay, so uh, the summary from the, from this chapter, uh, it, it says a lot a lot about the worldly powers, and which we still see today. First, they crave for more power; they just crave for more and more power. But more power doesn't give them success. More power gives them instead. Uh, I mean, uh, chaos. They, they, it leads to external conflicts. It leads to internal dissolution. It leads to, um, and they try to, they always try to build alliances, sometimes through marriages, and, uh, it, and then it always fails, like we have seen uh, in this chapter between the Ptolemy and the Seleucid. And uh, they were resort to forces, and we are seeing it now right now. There's a war going on right now, but such use of force often fails. Many diseases, many schemes but their plans never succeed. And the final victory always escapes them. All of them want the final victory, and none of them gets it. All right, so that's the characteristic of the worldly powers. Let's come to today's chapter, the end, the last chapter of Daniel. 
Verse 1, at, the time, at that time shall rise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been, since there was a nation till that time. So Israel is going through that some trouble. We'll go through more troubles, warned by the, the angel to, to Daniel. And but Michael, uh, who is believed to be the national angel, to be the, the guardian angel for the nation of Israel, uh, will rise and defend the country. But at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. So uh, in the Jewish tradition, multiple times in the Old Testament, this imaginary book, this book of the living, uh, Jews, Jews believe that God has this book in front of him, and it's written, written on it on the names who will live forever. And so it was, uh, this, was, this concept was mentioned multiple, in multiple places in the scripture. So the angel told uh, the Daniel, those whose names are written on the book, they will live. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting content. Um, this is the only clear and indisputable, indisputable reference to resurrection in the Old Testament. Resurrection is a common theme in the New Testament because Jesus was resurrected. But in the Old Testament, the idea of resurrection was kind of vague. But here, there's a clear prophecy on future resurrection, not collectively, but also, not only collective, but also individually. Those who are righteous will awake to eternal life, but those who are wicked will rise to shame and contempt. The language is not as strong as the language in the Revelation. You remember, some of you study Revelation. Revelation talks about, talks about eternal punishment, eternal fire. Uh, here is the wicked will rise to shame and contempt. Verse 3, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So, uh, Angels telling Daniel that these righteous people, they will share the celestial glory. They'll share the glory of God uh, eventually. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and forth, and knowledge shall increase. So uh, this revelation is to be sealed until the trouble comes. And uh, so that people at that time will have the encouragement. Uh, sometimes God doesn't want to reveal his will too early, and that's the case here. So Daniel is supposed to seal the secret until the time comes. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. So likely two angels. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be? till the end of these wonders. So they are, they are, they're basically asking questions for the Israelites. How long will, this, will the, all these troubles last? Okay. And I heard a man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised uh, his right hand and his left hand towards heaven and swore by him who lives forever that you would be for a time, times, and half a time. Again, like a riddle, like a puzzle. Um, so the general agreement is uh, a time, times, and half a time means uh, 
the wicked right now, you know, Antiochus IV, uh, the fourth, by the time the Jews were reading this book, Daniel, in second century BC, uh, it was thriving. Okay, he's picking up momentum, his persecution is getting worse and worse. So the wicked are picking up momentum. Therefore, a time changes to times. It's, it's getting fast, but it's going to slow down and it's going to be half a time and eventually he'll be stopped. Okay, so that's, that's how people uh, interpret this, uh, this, uh, this time frame. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things will be finished. The shattering of the power of the holy people, and that has got a total upper hand. He was destroying the temple, he was banning the religion, he was winning, but that power will come to an end. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? Daniel wants to know the end. He wants to know what's going to happen to him and his people. Many shall, and uh, he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Okay, some things, some outcomes remain secret. God, God reveals what we need to know, but what we don't need to know, he keeps it a secret. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. So you see two responses here, two kinds of people. And it's always like that. In the book of Revelation, you see the similar uh, phrases. You know, people in troubles, uh, the wicked will become worse. But the righteous, the believers, they will persist. Those who believe the end is coming will persist. And they will purify themselves. And they will cleanse their acts and thoughts and remain holy and they will get, be ready and wait for the wait for the end wait for the coming of the lord wait for the coming of the end okay verse 11 and from that time from the time the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up there shall be a thousand two hundred ninety Days. So the removal of the regular uh, burnt offering is when Antiochus started to persecute the religion and ban all the practices and uh, until the desolating abomination that's mentioned a couple of times, that's when uh, uh, Antiochus starts to worship uh, Zeus, the pagan god, in the temple. So 1,290 uh, days, and here we get another number. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the, at the 1,335 days. Okay, so why different, two different numbers. Uh, uh, one explanation, because there are two calendars being used. Uh, the uh, Babylonians uh, used lunar calendar, and the Greeks were using uh, uh, lunar solar calendar. So the days of each calendar are slightly different, hence the difference here. But either way, the, these uh, 1,300 days, it's roughly about three and a half years, right? Remember, we mentioned this. This, this was a prophecy two chapters before, and three and a half a day, three and a half a year is the time is the length of time that uh, Antiochus the fourth persecuted the Jews the most. Okay. Last verse. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. So. Uh, the angel asked Daniel not to be alarmed, not to be alerted, not to be anxious, uh, have peace. 
walking God's ways, he will die too. He will rest here means dying. He will die too. Uh, but in the end, he will rise together with the righteous and be allotted a place in God's kingdom. Okay, so that's the end. This wraps up the whole book of Daniel. A uh, couple of lessons, a couple of principles we can learn from uh, these few last, last few chapters. First thing is heavenly powers share in shaping the events of earthly history, right? Michael was mentioned here in previous two chapters. He mentioned this prince of Egypt, I'm sorry, prince of Greeks and prince of uh, 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 Persians opposing uh, the, the angels of God, right? So there are, there are heavenly battles behind the scene that we cannot know, but um, so sometimes we see events on earth, uh, we have to recognize there may be heavenly forces behind them, uh, which is out of our control. Number two, the details of Israel's histories are within the control of God. God is in control. No, no matter how many hardships, trials, troubles Israelites go through, they are the people of God. They are in God's hands. Antiochus was not the worst thing to Israelites. Holocaust was the worst thing so far, right? Hitler, Adolf Hitler was way worse than Antiochus IV. Right? Hitler wanted to wipe out the whole nation, but again, his power was checked. His, his ambition thwarted. Eventually, he was overthrown. The end came to him. Suddenly, he committed suicide to end his life. His plan to kill all the Israelites did not succeed. The people of God are in the hands of God. God had control of our life. No matter how many troubles we may go through, how many obstacles, challenges, setbacks we may be facing in the past or right now, God still is in control. We are in good hands. We should feel secure. Number three, the destiny of the faithful and of the faithless is sure. There are two kinds of people, and destinies are set for both of them. The righteous, the believers, will rise to eternal life. The unbelievers, the unrighteous, the wicked, will rise to eternal shame, contempt, and, according to Revelation, punishment. So which side we are on, we have to decide. And therefore, believers are challenged and encouraged to stand firm in our faith. The faithful are encouraged to stay fastness. Daniel was wondering, was wondering because, you know, these visions were horrible. You know, there, there would be great persecution coming on the Jews. And he didn't like that. So he is puzzled. What can we do? I think we may face similar uh, doubts in our life when we face obstacles, when things don't go the way we had planned. And we are encouraged, according to Daniel, to men stay fast in our faith. Sometimes our prayers are not answered, or are not answered in the way we want. But that doesn't mean we'll stop praying, we'll continue praying. Will continue believing God. It's funny because 
a lot of times God works when He says no. And we don't pay attention to God until He says no. When our plan is thwarted, when our, when our plan doesn't go well, that's when we stop and ask, what does God want? See, if everything goes according to our will, why would we ask God? Why, why would we care while He's thinking? But then when things stop, it's stopped by Him, or goes the other way, then we start to ask the question, why? Why? What, what does he want? Maybe his plan is different from my plan. Maybe his will is different from my will. And I have to discern. I have to find out. I have to seek more. A lot of times we know God, we come to know God when he says to know, know to us through the difficulty. When we realize things are not going to happen according to the way we want them. A lot of times we recognize in those moments that there is a God. And we better ask him what he wants. Yet we continue to believe that he's good. And his purpose is always good for us. And his plans is always better. There's always a higher way. And there's always a higher will that we should submit to. And that's called Worship. Worship is when your plan is different from God's. Yeah, we say yes to God. And we have to say yes anyway. And we continue to believe that He has a good purpose. He has a good will for us. Our destiny is secure, according to Daniel. And all we need to do is to continue to hold on to this faith. Is continue to believe that God loves us and He's always good to us. So no matter what happens, He'll find a way out for us. He'll provide and He'll deliver us. And that's a promise, remember, in verse 2. God's people will be delivered. And whatever trouble we face, we will be delivered. Whatever obstacles we're facing, God will overcome them on our behalf. That's a promise, an encouragement from Daniel. And because we believe that promise, and we believe in that security, so we want to purify ourselves, meaning we want to dedicate ourselves to God. We don't want to be inundated, flooded by the worldly carnal desires that distract us from God's will, from God's plan for us. We want to stay focused on God. So my encouragement to you today is believe, continue to believe in Him. Seek Him. Discern His will. Some of you, you came back from college today. You know, you're there. We're not there. Um, but we trust that God is with you there in your colleges, wherever you are. And please continue to seek Him, to stay in this relationship with Him to seek His good purpose for you, to listen to Him. He speaks to us. He guides us through Scripture, through Church, sometimes even directly. And that's encouragement. That's what happens to Daniel, God speaking to him directly. 
to give him hope, to give him that reassurance of his final destiny. That's why Daniel can say, I can go my way now. I can rest. One day I'll rest. And yet I know one day I'll rise to eternal life. Our final destiny is secured by God. Therefore, we should feel confident to hold on to this hope and this faith. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the message. We all always want to know the future like Daniel did. No, he wants to find out the number of days, the exact outcomes. But you told us the outcome of everything is in your hands. And at the present moment, right now, all we need to do is believe, is to trust you. Trust that you have a good plan for us. Trust that you, there will be a good destiny waiting for us. And trust that you'll always be with us, supporting us, encouraging us, encouraging us, empowering us, and sustaining us. And enable, most importantly, enabling us to achieve your good purpose for us in our life. This journey is precious. We're learning who you are. And sometimes you show us who you are by saying no to us, by showing that your will is different, your will is higher. And we have to submit. We have to say yes to us. Even though you're saying no, we still say yes to you. Because we are the worshipers. We are the believers. Thank you, Lord. Help us, help us to walk on this faith, this journey of faith with you. Be with us. Be with us always. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.